0: back to why this film the podcast where we reach back into your childhood pluck at a movie give it a rewatch and have a chat about it I'm Emily Slade and welcome back you watched it so many times before and now you're gonna watch it again but it's been so many years since you last saw it and now you show it to your friends and they're like what what am I watching why this what why why this film? And I'm joined today by Sarah from Scream Scene Podcast. Hello!
1: Hello! Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. Very exciting. Your chosen movie is 1993's The Secret Garden, the IMDb breakdown. A young, recently orphaned girl is sent to England after living in India all of her life. Once there, she begins to explore her new, seemingly isolated surroundings and its secrets
1: why this film? So, in doing Scream Scene, you know, we're watching every horror movie ever made in chronological order, and that has given a really unique perspective on the development of the genre, and I've really come to recognize how much I love gothic horror. And thinking about where this love came from, I started looking back at You know movies that I've liked in the past, and everything has kind of a gothic feel. You know, spooky mansion, uh, tragic backstory. You know, woman in the attic kind of thing. And I think my first, really earliest introduction to gothic storytelling is *The Secret Garden*.
0: That's so cool. It's so interesting that you say that because, like, absolutely, hundred percent, I agree. It is entirely gothic, but. As a kid, I don't think I ever made that connection when mm-hmm. you've got especially things that like Tim Burton's spitting out. You're like, that's gothic. But you're absolutely <laughs> right. It's, you know, it's that classic Victorian literature. And, and there were two that I watched side by side when I was a kid. It was this one and then the like 1995 or 6 a uh, little princess which was very mm-hmm. similar it was like colonial girl's life is turned upside down when she moves to horrible <laughs> england
1: <laughs> yeah um, why is so much of like victorian children's literature like this <laughs>
0: Yeah, I know. It's so funny. And it's because obviously we had like the empire because we're trash. And everyone was sort of brought up there. And then when they were dragged back to England, it was always like, it's cold and rainy, but I guess there's some magic deep within. Um, (laughs) And that was sort of the moral of the story a lot of the time. But also it was just hard. It was hard living, harsh life, like get up the chimney. No, you don't have a chair at the table. Like that was just how they sort of lived. And I guess if you're an adult, looking back on that and writing it into your story, you're probably not even thinking that it's coming across as particularly weird or mean. You're just like, that's childhood, kids. Like, (laughs) they also happen to find a garden. The end. And you're like, oh, great. (laughs) Um, But the two of them were especially big for me because I had to always have a blanket on me whenever I watched them because I didn't want to be seen crying because they would make me weep i had like a blanket with like bricks on it and i would just hide under it for the climax of either one of these movies because i would weep and the secret garden's a really interesting one because it's very obvious that you're meant to be crying at a little princess it's very dramatic Mm -hmm. but here it's so understated in its like misery and it's like tragedy um but yeah to really focus on the gothic i mean uh Oh, God, what's her name? Um, Professor McGonagall. Oh, Uh, Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith. As Mrs. Medlock is classic, like, laced up, black wearing, Mm -hmm. evil woman, but like heart of gold (laughs) underneath. But like, oh, she was so mean. And she... And again, I'm going to keep comparing it to The Little Princess because they were just so side by side for me in my childhood they both had these women that clearly had these like really hard upbringings themselves and Mm -hmm. were now inflicting them on other children and that's very gothic um but yeah I mean where do you want to (laughs) start
1: oh gosh I don't know um I think the best way for me to describe if someone's never seen the secret garden um hit pause go watch it and come back um but the way that I would kind of describe it is like gothic for children because it doesn't have any of the really harsh stuff of gothicness like you think about Jane Eyre where like by the end uh Rochester's blind but I guess it's okay yeah. um but this you know brings in the spooky house there's like magic um maybe um the tragic backstories, the secrets and mystery. Like it's very much a great introduction. Um yeah. the main character, Mary, is ten, and I think what is really important is to watch it as a child. Because yeah. and I came across this because I watched this with my husband, who's also like the co host of Scream Scene, and he watched it maybe like once or twice as a kid, didn't really latch onto it the way that I did growing up. And watching it again, he's like, I don't get this. Like, I don't like Mary. I don't like any of these characters. Why do I care about any of this? And for me, as soon as I hear the music, I'm transported back into the magic. So I think it needs to hit you at the right time um, Mm -hmm. in order for it to really have you identify with the main character and really get drawn into the mysteries of the movie
0: definitely definitely because like i can completely get why you don't like it you're seeing it through the eyes of this arguably like spoiled bratty horrible little girl horrible but is a, she's so awful i love her so much (laughs) um but yeah if you're like a 29 year old adult watching this you're like what a
1: bitch, like, fucking yeah. don't deserve a
0: garden, like,
1: go to your room. Um, <laughs> and then when she's, when like, waking her finger at Colin and saying, like, you're so yeah. spoiled, it's like, girl, look in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: literally. Um, and then, of course, I love, I love how candid they both are because it, the movie opens with one of the most terrifying mm-hmm. openings to a children's movie ever. I think I genuinely had a fear of burning to death after watching this movie f- forever. Um, I was so afraid of fire because it opens with her such a sad little moment where she's like, my parents hate me. And you're like, all right, Mary. Like, I, they probably don't hate you. Like, come on. And then you see them... And you're like, oh no, they do seem kind of <laughs> shitty. Like, they're a little bit preoccupied and perhaps like you weren't necessarily planned. And you know the excitement of living out in India and if you're a high up in the... I, I assume some sort of army position and you get to go to all these parties. Yeah, like you're going to be a bit shitty to your daughter, I guess, in her eyes. Because all she wants is your attention and love and that's not what you're, you're giving her. But I guess time's up because then you die horribly in a terrifying <laughs> earthquake and fire. It's the earthquake that gets them but I always thought it was fire because she's hiding under the bed mm-hmm. and you can just see these flames and the screaming and she has these elephants that like make me cry so much because like what she's put into them symbolically. Um, so frightening and so Colin as well well his dad's alive but his mom's dead so again they have like shouting matches where it's like my parents are dead! My parents it's a too! It's like, okay, congratulations, we have a lot in common, like, let's be friends now. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I totally get that as an adult, you, you'd sort of miss the charm, and, and I worry as well with a female protagonist, whether it's, you know, more difficult, I don't know, to get yourself into that position, because I, I do love how a lot of these ones have female protagonists, and it, they're not doing stereotypical girly things, like... Mm-hmm she's really brave in this and she's really forthright and she turns her brattiness into a confidence and, like, it's really lovely to see. Um, And the way she treats the maid and stuff, her growth throughout this movie is really, really great and really important, I think, if you're a kid. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, like, to talk about one of the gothic traits before we meet Colin, it's just sort of, like, bangings and, like, screamings through the wall and everyone's like what screaming? So i don't hear them and mary's like are you fucking kidding me like <laughs> there is a child screaming in the walls and they're like you're being stupid go to bed um yeah just which is like, so
1: scary when you're a kid oh the constant like wailing and it's like yeah. is it the wind because we're on like the scottish moors or is it or i don't know if it's scottish but we're on the moors yorkshire Um, yeah same vibe (laughs) you know how isolating that also feels because if it is the wind like that just emphasizes you're alone out here Um, and especially just like losing her family losing like any semblance of something that's recognizable because like india and yorkshire are very different so <laughs> very different. <laughs> <laughs> she's completely out of her element um so i i really understand that feeling of being like feeling so alone as a child feeling so neglected even once you're in um the manor, uh feeling so neglected from um what's her name, Mrs. Medlock, uh, from your uncle who, like, doesn't even really want to see you and is scary in his own right. Like, it's it's really well done and done from the perspective of a child.
0: Definitely. Definitely. You can really put yourself in her shoes, and I was frightened of the noises, and I was frightened of the uncle and was so shocked when it turns out that he was just sad at the end. Spoiler alert, I guess. Um, <laughs> as an adult, I'm like mmm, yum. I like the uncle. The uncle should stay more. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you rewatch it and you're like, oh, hello, who the hell is that actor? <laughs> wow, well, man. And the same goes for the dad in The Little Princess, who I think is the Onion Knight from Game of Thrones, which, like, blows my mind a little bit. But, um... Yeah, that was that was a really fun thing to return to. And um, and Dickon is Andrew Knott, who's very big in the UK. He's in a lot of, like, he was one of the history boys alongside James Corden. And that sort of group of young men mm. went on to do, like, loads of UK theatre and television and film and stuff. Um, oh,
1: that's cool. But yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's it's really fun. You look back on it and you're like, this cast is incredible. Um, like, you're recognising everyone. Uh, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. But definitely, it's... um, And I think that's... It's such a joy to then watch it as an adult who had watched it as a child to then be, like, instantly more sympathetic with the uncle. Like, he doesn't want to see anyone that reminds him of his dead wife and now dead sister-in-law or whatever she was. Sister? Yeah, sister-in-law. Sister. Sister. Yeah. Um, And... That's really sad. What freaked me out as a kid, and this is very sort of Frankenstein-y, was the the medicine aspect of it. Everything mm. they ever did to Colin. Even something as simple as putting him in like an ice bath. The thought of that as a child, I was like, do you want him to die? Um, yeah like putting weird suckers on him using machines putting making him bite down on things like I don't know I've probably exaggerated it in my head but it's very sort of old-fashioned medicine where you know they don't give him him a full-on lobotomy but like they sort of act towards and it's they're so serious about it like we have to and they're all wearing masks and like it's it's frightening. And as a child, that was frightened of everything. Everything includes like germs and mm-hmm. stuff. So I was like, Mary.
1: Oh man, when he has <clears throat> when he has the freak out about spores on the wind when they're opening up his windows. I remember being like, Oh my god, the spores! Oh no! Yeah. Um. Because Not like I have spores. yeah, I have asthma. So like I oh, really feel
0: with that. Genuinely, the spores.
1: <laughs> yeah. And of course, watching it in 2021 and everyone's like, so focused on have the masks on and Mary's like, I'm not wearing a mask. I was like, oh, Mary. Oh, no.
0: Mary. (laughs) Mary, who did you vote for? (laughs) Um, Yeah, really interestingly topical, whereas before it was just like a bizarre little quirk where it's like, oh, wear masks, that's cute, I guess doctors do. And now we're like, oh my goodness, masks, masks, masks.
1: Yeah, Um, and it's weird because we kind of know that Colin isn't really sick, right? Like, especially if you've seen it before, like, you know that he is just like, kept in the bed yeah because they're afraid of what might happen to them um so then thinking about like all these precautions and they're just being overprotective but in today's world we're like no we kind of need to be protective right now yeah
0: yeah we need to be isolated in a beautiful four-poster bed and have people come (laughs) to us with masks on like (laughs) um whereas back then you're just like get out in the garden Colin come on like
1: get outside
0: that's such a lovely little... Like, him and Mary have the real sort of growth of this movie, mm-hmm. um, where he literally learns to, like, walk. Um, yeah. Which, again, is so terrifying when you think, as you said, that he there's not anything wrong with him, there never was anything wrong with him, and you've kept, like, two-plus years off of this child's life convincing him that he's ill like Mm -hmm. i think there's a term for that but i I think they updated it recently and i don't want to get it wrong but that sort of like false diagnosis and entrapment really and that's terrifying in itself so you're absolutely right constantly bringing the gothic in of just really scary things that seems so innocuous just watching the movie you're just like eh, whatever um But yeah, even something as massive as we've come from India and now we're in Yorkshire, just like the weather would be like, oh my god, what is this? Like, I've never felt this cold before. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I would be so grumpy all the time (laughs) if I'd lived in, like, India and then I had to move to Yorkshire where it, like, never stops raining. And, like, Um, her
1: first meal (sighs) at the mansion is, like, a bowl of porridge, the most bland thing you could ever have. (laughs) So coming from amazing Indian food to porridge...
0: Yeah, and it would have been made with, like, water and there would be, like, no sugar on it or anything. And it just, like, this poor girl, I don't think she's stroppy enough, to be honest. Like, I would be way stroppier. (laughs) I would have no time for Colin. I would have no time for Mrs. Medlock. No time for poor Martha. I'd be like, get the fuck out of my room. staying here forever.
1: Um, Yeah, so I get it. Yeah, she's she's definitely like that. And what is interesting is, so the movie is adapted from a book, so you probably get a bit more of the character development in the book, but you do still see it in the movie of her, as you said, learning to not be so mean and having that stubbornness uh, turn into confidence. Um at the same time as the garden is being transformed. And then yes. the garden as a transformative place for Colin as well. Uh, and then ultimately for the uncle when he comes back. Um, yeah, It's it's really neat. And I think it kind of speaks to the theme of the movie about like... Being...
0: Growth and rebirth. Yeah,
1: exactly. And if you neglect something, whether it's through just like, I don't care about this kid, get this kid away from me, situation for Mary or being so overprotective that you're kind of neglecting the child from having a life outside of his four post bed. Um, you, it, both cases are terrible and it's not that like getting outside cures all, it's more like putting in the effort to see something grow and become its own is very rewarding
0: yeah definitely and i think that's really lovely if you imagine when it was first published perhaps adults reading this to their children you'd hope that they would reap those lessons from it at the same time as the child learning fun lessons about like i don't know environmentalism or whatever (laughs) (laughs) like the adult is there like oh yeah that's true maybe i should let my kid have that bike after all or whatever like they interpret it as um such a beautiful point, like, really lovely. You're absolutely right. And the, the garden is such an emotional core of the movie as well. Every time we're in the garden, I'm crying because there's, from, from as little as, like, they first show Colin the garden and they, like, play in the flowers and there's, like, a swing and they're having a really lovely time. And you're emotional because, like, they're all just having a lovely time. Um, there is a flashback in this movie from Mary's point of view from when she was like a baby and I'm not sure whether it's sort of slightly made up or based on true events but she's a literal baby that is like waddling and her mom is on the swing in the garden and she's calling to her and she's beautiful and glamorous and then she like Hears something and starts running away through the like flowers. And she looks back at the baby and like just sort of laughs and then turns around and like continues running. And the baby is left in the garden alone and it starts to cry. And now I'm going to start to cry just from talking about it because I don't like children. I don't want children. I've always been like that. I always will. But oh my God. There is nothing, it's one of the worst things that's ever been captured on camera. Like, it is just heartbreaking the (laughs) way she looks back at this child, laughs, and then runs off through the flowers. It gets me every time, and I always forget it's coming, and every time we get to that horrible dream sequence where she's on the swing, I'm like oh no, oh God, <laughs> Yeah, where are the tissues?
1: Yeah, it's, it's it really hits you. And especially because, you know, if the camera lingers on the wailing child. It's just like, oh God. But what I, I always found really neat is that like that child's wailing turns, when she wakes up, turns into Colin's wailing. And then that's when she goes and finds him. So I think it, it's like a neat way of tying her, like, Mary's loneliness and feelings of neglect of being left behind in this jungle of a garden um, to finding almost like a kindred spirit a little bit.
0: Yeah, again, such a great point. Like, it's so thoughtful. I really, the 90s were so good for doing these, like, Victorian literary adaptations. Mm -hmm. And... I haven't seen it yet, but there's a 2020 version of The Secret Garden now with Colin Firth as the uncle and Julie Walters as Miss Medlock, which I just think is bizarre casting because (laughs) I'm sure she does a wonderful job. But Julie Walters is like fun and nice, you know, and like Mrs. Medlock is not.
1: (laughs) No, she needs to be cold Um, and distant. Like Maggie Smith is perfect.
0: Is such perfect casting. Um, And... So already the... T- and Colin Firth is too well-known to play the uncle. That I said it, um, but that's my <laughs> review on the modern-day Secret Garden. And it's set in, like, World War Two, Because uh-huh. the trouble now... In the 90s, I think the Victorian era was, like... I don't know how many years. But, like, enough years away that it could be romanticised a little bit. But close enough that we could buy it and we could buy what we were seeing and we were okay with it. Whereas now they seem frightened to set things that far away for children. Um, And you see it in everything, in the sort of swallows and Amazons and and if they ever did like a famous five, they try and bring things closer to a closer past so modern children have something to relate to. Mm. Um, Which I think is such a shame because I wasn't... I mean, granted, I didn't get a mobile phone till I was 13. The internet had, was in its infancy when I was. So I wasn't there being like, why doesn't Mary have a mobile telephone? <laughs> or any of the things that, you know, the, like, newspapers would argue that's why the kids don't get with the movies these days. But I don't know. I just... I think it's a shame because I think they make so much more sense set in their original setting. Mm-hmm. And I don't like the idea of it being set in World War (laughs) Two. Like but I understand how it could be problematic to refer to the Empire, but they don't really, and we should be taught about it anyway. Mm -hmm. No. Have you have you seen the new one?
1: I haven't. Uh I didn't know it was set during World War Two. That almost makes it feel like they're trying to tap into um like C. S. Lewis line The Witch in the Wardrobe.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And it's I guess it gives them an easy way out of saying, like, it's because of the war that her parents died or something.
0: Yeah. Um, or that she's just evacuated. Yeah. Like, they could they could even still be alive, which, again, ruins all of the themes of, like, isolation and mm-hmm. growth and whatever.
1: Yeah, I think um, definitely if you look at... I, I don't know what kind of shift happened, but you're right that the 90s was a time for you know, adapting these kind of Victorian stories. And now we don't really seem to, um, unless they are completely devoid of that empire context. Like I think of Mm -hmm. like the recent Emma adaptation, which works really well, but doesn't mention the empire or anything like that. Um, And yeah, it's, I think you're totally right that we have to be talking about it. And I, I there's a moment in The Secret Garden that I remember finding it uncomfortable as a kid, and I didn't really know why. And I still find it uncomfortable, but at least I know why now. Um, it's when Martha, her maid, is like... When I heard you were coming from India, I wasn't sure if you would be a native. And Mary throws a full on fit um that is completely fueled by racism. Like, how dare you think that I would be I'm colored. Like a servant. Yeah. Yeah. And anything like that. And it's like, oh God. Um and I think like on a surface level, you could be like, Well, she is throwing a fit because she thinks that like Oh you think I would be a servant. So this classism there, but I think it's it's the fact that it's fueled by racism that is key to understanding like some aspect of this culture that she's in yeah. and has come from. Um there's a lot of neat things in the secret garden that I think it touches on and includes but doesn't really invoke um or like deal with. So there's the racism of like colonial, colonized India. There's um, the classism um, of, like, you know, who has power here. We get to see the servants, but we don't really know much about them beyond Martha, like the the kitchen scenes and stuff like that. Um, and the way that Mrs. Medlock tries to invoke a power structure, even though she is still a servant, almost like mm-hmm. trying to be a middle-class servant, I guess. Um, yeah. And then, of course, ableism is very much in this movie. And I don't know if there would be a way for The Secret Garden to be adapted without. Um, almost like a, a ableism being a byproduct of it, because it's talking about, you know, if you put in the care to something, it will flourish. And at the end of the day, people are built differently. And if someone can't walk, any amount of time in a garden isn't going to actually fix that. Um, Yeah. And and the way that Colin is, like, so offended when anyone calls him crippled. um, Yeah. And how that's, like, it's not that they're trying to say the word crippled is... um, He's offended about being called crippled, not because he isn't crippled, but because that's a bad word. Um, Yeah. So there's a lot of interesting things like that, that I think like people adapting it today would feel the need to really address. And some people might address it by just completely avoiding it, like setting it in world war two and avoiding the topic of racism. Maybe.
0: Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant points. Um, So interesting. I hadn't even considered that. You're so right. Like it was so much easier if, to, for want of a better word in the 90s because people weren't addressing these things as willingly and openly um so they could just sort of adapt it and focus on the sort of big old literary themes and lovely lovely fun movie for kids let's go and i i, th- I think they're very good adaptations and I, i've not read the original books that um the secret garden or the little princess come from but um I can't imagine they've left much out because they're not huge books, but you're absolutely right. In today's society, we would need to address all of those things. And I think it is a shame to just ignore them because Mm -hmm. as the Warner Brothers cartoons say, to pretend that these never happened is worse than them happening in a way because we need to know our own history in order to move forward from it. So it's a really interesting conversation that she has with Martha oh it's not a conversation it's a shouting match Um, at the (laughs) beginning of the movie where yeah like she's offended because she thought she was going to be not white um and she's like the only the only natives as it were that were surrounding me were my servants like how dare you um and the same as in The Little Princess there's like the sort of magical native that lives Mm. next door which is a very big stereotype um so, yeah, I'd be interested for someone who has a passion for the original tale, um, but also wants to wade into these arguments for kids, to take the story and do a version of it, and not be afraid to address what was. Because there's plenty of movies that are set in colonial India that people are cool with, like the Viceroy's House um, is one. And it's about the end of it, um, of the of the empire in India, before we moved on to like wherever the hell else we moved on to after that. Um, <laughs> we suck, uh, but this is the thing we do suck. And these children would have had the, and these people in the in the mainland, as it were, would have had these ideas and these thoughts, and it it completely makes up, as you said, the culture that they're living in, and that's why things were different and things are so foreign, as it were, to to nowadays. That's not to say that, like, racism doesn't exist anymore. According to our government, it doesn't, but I can assure you it does. Mm -hmm. Um, And stuff. But, yeah, so I think you're right. I think it would be difficult. It would be a difficult thing to do. I don't think it's impossible. But it would need a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds Mm -hmm. to come on board during the writing process and the whole production to ensure that you're getting it right and what you're saying you're saying things in the right way and you're getting the right points across because it it would be hard to sort of be able to just put this thing out as entertainment and make it like historically accurate if you will
1: um And not offensive.
0: Yeah, it's a really tricky one. (laughs) I don't know how they would do
1: it. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, The Secret Garden, like I said, it's not really dealing with these issues, but it is at least putting them forward. With the classism thing, I really appreciate that while we see the ridiculousness of Colin, a 10-year-old, being the lord of the house just because he happens to be upper class, um we still also get to see a little bit of the inner lives of the servants, like seeing the kitchen, um, hearing the uh, cook. She's like singing green sleeves as she cooks. Um, And the interesting way that Mary gets to be on like the boundary of that because Martha is like getting her dressed up to go outside and she's just outside the kitchen, but never really a part of it. Um,
0: Yeah. It's,
1: it's interesting the way that the the filmmaker and everyone involved tried to at least put forward that there's a larger world beyond just the upper-class children's lives.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely, that that upstairs-downstairs vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if there's more characters in the book from the downstairs that have more to say and more to do. I don't know, I've never read it. Yeah. Um, But no, she's very much sort of between both worlds. Um, Whereas, you know, Colin would never go anywhere near the kitchens. And we never see him go anywhere near the kitchens. And we only really see him talk to Miss Medlock. um, And it's to give orders. Like when he first tries to go outside and he's like, I'm going outside now. And they're like, oh, God, okay, (laughs) be safe, I guess. Ah, Um, That's quite emotional. So, yeah, I again, when you watch it as a kid, you don't even realise how much there is happening. Um, it's so deep. And, like, I think that's why it's so good and it's so memorable and it's such a good story as well because there's so much going on. Um, whereas, like, not to be a dick to, like, modern children's entertainment, but, you know, The Minions doesn't have this many themes. So just saying. Um, <laughs> which is an unfair comparison. But, yeah, I think... I hope The Secret Garden 2020 doesn't talk down to its audience. I hope it doesn't Mm -hmm. take the sort of skim off the top of The Secret Garden and just provide that. Um, I hope it dives a bit deeper because there's so much heart in these films. There's, I mean, God, when the uncle returns at the end and he, like, unblindfolds Colin... Mm -hmm. I'm gone again like I'm weeping I'm so upset like it's so sad and then like Mary thinks that she's going to be kicked out now and you're just like Mary no and she like runs away and cries and then he comes and sees her with his like gorgeous long hair that keeps getting in his (laughs) eyes because of the wind (laughs) and he has to keep like tucking it behind his ear I really enjoyed
1: my (laughs) rewatch oh my goodness but yeah Yeah, I think my concern for like the 2020 adaptation, again, haven't seen it, but a lot of children's films today seem to be very fast paced. It's almost like a feeling of like we have to keep throwing something at the screen, whether the stakes are high or not, um, in order to keep someone's attention. Something is constantly going on. And in the 93 Secret Garden, you have these quiet, calm moments that can either be like eerie, like the wailing through the house, or that one weird uh, long take on a baby lamb trying to learn how to walk and calling for its mother, Um, which I always find that that take just seems to go on for a little longer than you expect it to. And you're like, why are we watching and listening to this baby lamb call for its mother?
0: Yeah, it's so true, but it's, it all works. And then there's moments in the garden when the garden is growing and it's like that wonderful sped up Mm -hmm. um, of flowers growing and plants opening and stuff. And that's really speedy and it's really pretty. But I, I think you're absolutely right. Like it takes its time and it takes its time to establish who is who and how we feel about them and where we are and why that's going to be important. Whereas you're right, modern things tend to assume that because of sort of growing up with social media, the their, their attention span is, is smaller and so they must just constantly be fed content and they don't have the patience to indulge in a story. Um, which I don't know if that's true or whether that's just something that movie makers assume or whether it's something that they've studied. Um but it's a shame and I think that's why I would now I'd be really interested to watch the 2020 adaptation just to see how different it is mm-hmm. and if they and if it's gothicy. do you know what I mean? like I yeah. wonder it, it doesn't look it from the poster it looks very um twee almost like just like no one's no, like no kid is gonna wanna watch it <laughs> It makes me like, wonder oh, I'm, looking at it, and I'm like
1: It makes me wonder who it's made for because the idea of casting Colin Firth, who like when you say Colin Firth, you immediately think of him coming out of the water with like a wet sure. shirt yeah. Uh, yeah. from Pride and Prejudice <laughs> or whatever, like I feel like that means that this 2020 version is made for the adults who grew up on the Secret Garden, not necessarily for children today.
0: Yeah, or, like, it's something that adults will buy their children to watch, being like, I watched The Secret Garden when I was a kid, and it's good, and therefore <laughs> we'll watch it, and also I'll enjoy it because Colin Firth is in it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's advertised itself, it's from the producers of Harry Potter and Paddington, so it's trying to align itself with the biggest children's franchises of the last decade. She seems to have a dog. Oh. From what I can see, it looks like she has a dog. Um, Yeah, set in 1947. So maybe we should watch it and then just, like, compare notes. I'm I'm pretty sure my notes are going to be, I hated it. (laughs) What did you think? (laughs) Um, Not to be mean, but, um, yeah. I love that the original book is written by a woman. um, (laughs) And this movie is directed by a woman. And you can tell. You can always tell. Yeah, Even if you don't realise it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) No, it's all good. I completely agree. I think it's definitely like the way that um, the director, Agnieszka Holland, um, will give time for moments between Martha and Mrs. Medlock. um, And time for Mary and Martha to have moments. Because I feel like... If it was a male director, they wouldn't realize that the importance of this story is about Mary creating relationships. They would see it as what's written in the script of, like, here's the plot of she finds a garden, she makes the garden, garden heals all. Um, And I I don't want to say that that I'm not trying to be derogatory against male directors. It's just that they would not click in. To how to add in these moments for relationships to develop, um, even in the background. Um, There's like this really neat shot where, like, we're looking down a staircase, and there's no reason for it, but for some reason, at one point, um, Mrs. Medlock, Maggie Smith, walks by and looks up directly at the camera, almost like she's like, you know, very far away from what the children are doing and looking at a distance and is also like a constant watcher. And that feels like something, like the fact that it's Maggie Smith, you would have had to pay for her time and for her costuming and everything for that. You would have needed to set up the shot in such a way that you would have that long shot or a long take to have her walk by at the very end, way after soon people, other people might have cut. Like having... An eye for ways to do characterization for the female characters in ways that don't actually contribute to the plot overall. It just contributes to the overall vibe, yeah.
0: Definitely, and furthers their characters in the sense that if you have to give this movie an antagonist, um, it it would be Mrs. Medlock, and that's you're right. It's just that sort of like suspicion like untrusting of anyone else in the household power hungry vibe of just something as simple as like like looking up the stairs as she walks past and yeah you're completely right this this movie passes the Bechdel test it's filled with women and I think that's another reason I liked it as a kid because usually we're so often resigned to like you get one woman, and she covers all aspects of woman, and you're like, "That's impossible." And they're like, "We're gonna do it anyway." Because fuck you.
1: Um, yeah, like I love so Princess annoying. Leia, but that's how George Lucas streets are, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, like no bras in space, hon. No bras in space. <laughs> get the fuck out of here, George. Lucas. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, and and yeah, like the only woman in space as well, apparently, like, yes, oh, quick breed. Um, it's frustrating. It's so frustrating. So it's, it's really lovely to see women of different ages because Martha's so interesting. Cause she's right on the sort of, she's between Mary and Mrs. Medlock. Like if we say Mrs. Medlock is like late forties and Mary's 10, Martha could be anything from like 17 to like 25. Mm-hmm. Um, probably closer to 17 to be honest which again is really interesting with how close in age she is to like to to mary and um and the differences instantly there between their upbringings and their lifestyles and the just different countries that they've been brought up in um the new one is directed by a man um i think he did national treasure
1: oh that's uh... a weird thing <laughs> a, yeah. a weird shift
0: Um, so I hope that they're not, because again, I briefly touched on it with, um, Miss Minchin is the one from Princess, Little Princess, and uh, Miss Medlock is the one from Secret Garden. It would be so easy for you to pick up the script and be like, stereotypical, horrible old woman, and just leave it at that. But both of them have moments of such heartbreak and character and wholesome underneath-ness that they can't reveal to the children but behind closed doors they both have moments of like weeping and like understanding and like feeling Um, Mm -hmm. whereas you can imagine I mean I'm just going off the poster here I'm being very cruel but Julie Walters is just looking very angry at the camera and you're like oh is she just an angry old lady that's really strict that's really boring
1: yeah Like, with Maggie Smith's performance, you understand that, like, so Colin was born early because his mom fell off a swing and died, and so I understand how fragile he might seem to be, because he's a preemie, Um, and you get the feeling with how long that Mrs. Medlock has been there, she's basically raised him. And for the past 10 years, has done her absolute best to make sure that he gets the best care, is treated well, because she knows that if he dies, the um, lord of the castle, um, he's going to go even like further insane. Um, she's just trying to do her best. And yeah. while that comes out as almost child abuse because of how... Um, overprotective she is, how she's not even listening to Colin when he says that he doesn't, like, need some of this type of care. Like, it's it's still coming from like, a good place. And I think yeah. you kind of understand that through Maggie's performance, especially when she resigns at the end and is bawling her eyes out and it's such a neat moment between her and Martha because Medlock is crying because she's just resigned. This has been her entire life. And Martha goes to comfort her and she like slaps Martha away. And Martha goes back again because Martha, you know, is the spine holding this entire household together. Um, (laughs) And Medlock embraces her at that point. Um, And then her tears when she sees Colin walking, it's, it's a really well done and it's multifaceted performance And it's more than just, I'm angry because I'm childless.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's so much more than that. And you see it on different levels as you grow older and you continue to rewatch this movie and you start to see it from all the different angles and you see why. And 100% like all of a sudden you can put yourself in her shoes where you're like, I am trying to keep this child alive Mm -hmm. in this huge house where his dad is never around and this 10 year old has broken into his room with god knows what all under her fingernails and i just can't right now if you don't get her out of my sight i'm gonna personally strangle her like i get it like i'm Mm -hmm. surprised mary doesn't receive more like physical abuse because i'd be like (laughs) like i am trying my best here and It's so important to see those emotions and those emotional switches. And they, as we say, like, it's from the point of view of the children. And that's so good for when it's for children and you're completely on side. But we still get these adult stories, which um, often we don't. Like, if we, I mean, I don't know what point I'm going to make here. But Harry Potter, there was obviously a lot to cover. But they missed out a lot of really good relationships between the adults preferring to focus on the relationships between the teenagers and I think that's a real shame because there's so many interesting adult relationships in mm-hmm. Harry Potter that that feed into the main story that we were just denied um, in the movies because someone was like, eh no, rather than taking a step back and seeing the bigger world and I mean this movie is only an hour and 40 minutes, like it's a solid amount of time for a movie to you know exist and it's great because of it the new one is a hundred minutes what's that like just under
1: two hours uh no I think that's actually the same amount of time
0: nice okay good job I was gonna come for you but like I guess I won't (laughs) (laughs) we have Um, to
1: at least give it that
0: (laughs) yeah I hate it when a movie is too long like unnecessarily long like it's padding um so yeah but yeah anything else to say about the secret garden
1: um I think to kind of further underline the point of the importance of women telling these stories um the 93 secret garden had its screenplay uh or the book adapted to screenplay by Carolyn Thompson um, and I just want to name drop her because I think she's also the reason why we have such a gothic feeling to the movie. She did the screenplays for Edward Scissorhands, Nightmare Before Christmas, Homeward Bound, another childhood classic, um, the 19 one, 1991 Adams Family. Like, she knows how to adapt weird stories into weird stories. And I think she. Would be a good point to a, a good person to point to as to why the Secret Garden feels so gothic. Um, there are changes from the book. Um, I did like a quick plot synopsis comparison, um, but the changes are actually made to make it more gothic, which is interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So in the book, Mary's parents die from cholera. Um, oh.
0: That's just sad. <laughs> it is sad. <laughs> That's so <It's> dramatic. dramatic.
1: <laughs> yeah, versus exactly a dramatic like earthquake, fire, like everything gone in a night um, kind of situation. Um, in the book, it's um, Mary's mother is the uncle's sister. Um, right. So it's, you know, brother, sister versus Mary's mother being the twin sister of Colin's mother. And... You know, it, it's it's a subtle thing, but it's like, oh, that's weird. And that just adds yeah. into like the gothic mystery. The fact that Mary looks so much like her mother and therefore looks like Archie's wife. Um, yeah, just little things like that, that honestly, I think work to underline the the moodiness, I guess, the atmospheric mysteries yeah. in this film.
0: Definitely. That's such an interesting change, but so poignant, like so small, but so massive at the same time. That's really interesting. Um, yeah. Wow. I mean, what a resume there in terms of, uh, script writing. That's, that's my childhood. That's like, they're all really (laughs) decent movies as well. Like really, really great films. So, um, fingers crossed she's still working and like, adapting things because wow like good job lady Mm -hmm. um (laughs) uh yeah so good I mean I I love this movie like it's burned into my head because I watched it so many times I think we had it taped off the tv on VHS and it got to the point where it got like wobbly lines on it because (laughs) I watched it so much um And yeah, then the second I could, I got it on DVD and it's now on Netflix. And yeah, it's just, it's just an absolute classic. It's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It's gothic. Um, The cinematography,
1: the cinematography is by um, Roger Deacon. I don't Uh, think that is. Oh, okay. Roger Deacon is like a big deal cinematographer. He did um, Skyfall for example
0: oh my god right (laughs) wow oh wow (laughs) yeah it's it's so good like sweeping yorkshire moors wavy hair horsebacks like all the things all the things um so gorgeous great movie i so you gave me three choices in your email and i was instantly like that one Yes, please. Oh, I was please. really
1: hoping you went for it, so I'm happy.
0: <laughs> Yay. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a wonderful conversation. You have been a brilliant guest. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you um, for having me. Of course. Please come back anytime. Would you like to tell us about your podcast?
1: Of course. Uh, so Scream Scene is a podcast we're watching every horror movie ever made in chronological order, uh, which is quite a large task. Um We have almost 200 episodes and we've only made it to 1957. So lots of stuff to go through. As I said, it has kind of like this meta narrative of how the horror genre has developed in film. And we do every film, so lots of Hollywood, but we also have some really neat horror films from Japan, China, Mexico, um, even Nazi Germany, which was quite interesting. Um, Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So if people want to find out more about Scream Scene, you can find us on anywhere you find really good podcasts, um, Spotify, iTunes, whatever. Um, And you can find our website with our full list of ranked movies at screamscenepodcast.tumblr.com.
0: Nice. It's so much fun. Like, I can't believe you've only just gotten into the like 50s like that's insane um yeah (laughs) so crazy (laughs) you're gonna be doing this for years but how wonderful like i can't wait to go right back to the beginning and go all the way through i feel like i'm gonna learn so much um so really really cool um as i say please come back on this podcast literally at any point like you are amazing (laughs) Um, oh thank you so much fun (laughs) thank you so much um Yeah, and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Why This Film. Bye! If you're a fan of Why This Film and would like to support the show, head to iTunes and leave a five-star review. Why This Film also has a Patreon from £3 a month, where you have access to early episodes, bonus material, and much more. You can find that at patreon.com forward slash Why This Film Podcast. Why This Film is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and you can email into us at any time at whythisfilmpodcast at gmail.com.